Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the family. I'm Tom Bernard with Prof. W. Bash, MD, Hackmaster. Andy Brand Bernard. And Cassie Schrader. I like how uh, Alex and uh, Mom didn't come in today. Yeah, it's not a haircut. Oh, for God. Here <laughs> we go. Family haircut. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, that's exactly it. We'll be right back. A couple of great guests this hour on The Family. Where's the manager? Walzer Automotive presents Car Selling Secrets. Join me, Tom Bernard, and Doug Sprinthal as we talk cars, how to buy them, how to lease them, how to make the most of your money, and much more. What's it going to take to earn your business right now? Tune in every Thursday from 2 to 3 Central or download it on the Tom Bernard Podcast page. I don't know. I think I'm going to have to think about it. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and <laughs> it's gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. I like it. It works for me. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. The family. You know, I want you guys to do me a favor, and you can't tell anybody about this, but, you know, Alex will be coming in on Thursday. She comes in on Mondays, Tuesdays. Well, she didn't this week come in on Mondays and Tuesdays, but she comes in Thursdays as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to piss her off and annoy her, tell her when she's in that I changed the name of the show to Me Familia. <laughs> Can I say it with an accent? <laughs> I mean, familia. Yeah, do it like Paul Mercurio would say it. That's, that's a great idea. Because she gets so whipped up. I like the I like the family. Works for me. You welcome to the family. Mm-hmm. The family. Well, you, you should, know, do, you should do it. Me familia. You should do me familia, me familia. because yeah, you know, you, everybody knows that you have sort of a a, a a joy in Italy and an Italian thing. So me familia would be yeah. perfect. It's true. See. But I'd get stabbed right in the skull by my own daughter. 
<laughs> That's how it is. Okay, so I have to reveal on the uh, on the show today, the family show. I talked about this this morning on the KQ Morning Show, but uh, yesterday I got back from the gym. I've been lifting a lot of weights again, which I'm very happy about. And so I figured, oh, you know, I'll FaceTime uh, the family because because Catherine is at uh, Alex and Dan's house last night. So I figured I'd FaceTime and see how they're doing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I FaceTime them, and Dan answers, and we talk uh, for a short bit. And then he gives the phone um, to, I think, Catherine. And as Fawn is walking by, she says, and I quote, Nana, your dad's on the phone. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) My almost three-year-old granddaughter thinks I'm Catherine's father. Catherine started laughing so hard I thought she was going to vomit. She goes, Bop Bop is not my dad. He's my husband. He's your mama's dad. Like, yeah, laugh it up, sister. <laughs> so you had it last week, and now I get it this week, Cassie. Way to go. <laughs> Dave is your dad, and now I'm Catherine's dad. So we, you know, yeah. shoulder to shoulder. That's all I'm saying. We can wear sweatpants and eat ice cream and cry about it. <laughs> I like, that's what I'm going to do. That's exactly what I'm going to get involved in. There's no question about that. Let me know when Andy Parker's ready to go, would you please? I shall. I would appreciate it immensely, but isn't it funny that uh, for a three-year-old... Well, and then Brittany pointed out, because I talked about this on the air this morning, Brittany pointed out that she said to her nephew, you know, I'm your mother's sister. And he said, no, you're not. That's ridiculous. (laughs) You're not my mother's sister. (laughs) Yeah. Kids don't have a concept of how family is, you know, the rankings. I mean, like Max, he's he's an uncle, and his mm. nephew is only like a year younger than him, and he can't fathom right. that. He's like, I'm not an uncle. I'm not old. And I'm like, no, you're yeah. an uncle. And he, in his mind, he thinks uncles should be adults and older people. And My friend growing yep. up was an uncle, and I it took me a while to get my head around that. Yeah. It's like, so yeah. you're an uncle, but every <laughs> uncle I know is like, 40, so... Hmm. Yeah. Well... Yeah, yeah, there, that's the difference between the uh, a figurative meaning and the liter- and the, uh, uh, the cognitive and denotative meaning. Mm-hmm. So the, the denotative meaning is uh, different than the cognitive. Am I saying that right? No. What? Denotative. What the hell is wrong? <laughs> words are hard today, I know. Where words, words are hard? No, it's, it's the denotative meaning is, is what it really means. And then the other meaning or, or is cognitive. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's the one that's insinuated. It's anyway, how you yeah. perceive it. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. right. I hope. Right. You're fine. Don't worry about <laughs> it. I'm, f- I'm fine. I'm fine. They'll be here hey, to get you in a minute. <laughs> hey, why don't you go home and talk to your daughter, Lindsay? <laughs> that's right. talk, to, talk to my daughter. That's exactly what I'm Ow. Oh, man. Now I got shooed below the belt on that one. Man. That's right. Oh, I'd tell you. Honest to God, Catherine enjoyed it so much. I can't even tell you how much Catherine enjoyed it. Yeah, that's that's troubling. Oh. That's uh, that's troubling. I well, yeah. it's true. Yeah, she she was. What you know? What you know? That little picture of you that appears on your phone when you're FaceTiming someone else. Your picture appears up in the upper right hand corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean. I looked at it and went, "Yeah, I could see that." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I couldn't I, even argue with it. I know those. Those uh, the smaller picture of you being you know while you're FaceTiming mm-hmm. with someone is not the flattering mm-hmm. pictures. No. Uh, no. They don't do anyone justice at all. They look like mugshot photos. <laughs> They're pretty just, much true. Yeah. Lighting from a above. A little Vaseline on the lens. You're good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Grease it up. Soft focus. Grease it up. Yeah, it's, it works works just fine. But that whole person, well, to tell you the truth, growing up in a you know Roman Catholic community, I did know people whose uncles were younger than they were. Mm-hmm. And I believe Weird. it came really close in my family. Because I think Brandy was Terry's. How old is Brandy now? She's, she's quite a bit younger than Troy, though, isn't she? I have no idea. I don't know if she's the, all that much younger than, than Troy is, though. That came pretty close because Terry is 22 years older than, than Troy. So, you know, it could have happened in our family very, very. And maybe, I don't think it did. I think it was within about a year or two, but it, it was close. Yeah, I, I was an I uncle. I think it was pretty damn close. I was an uncle when I was ooh, eight, nine. Well, there you go. Yeah. See, there you have it. So, you know, it, uh, it it all works out. But I've never been married to my own daughter. That's the good news for Dave <laughs> and for me and for anyone else being accused of being someone's dad. Yeah. 
Oh, we have our guests. Excellent. Yep. I'm glad to hear it. Let, <laughs> like that, Andy Parker goes, yep. Andy Parker, how are <laughs> you, sir? I'm okay. How are you? You're just okay. I hope I hope things get better. I'm doing no, no, I'm doing fine thing. Good. I'm sorry we didn't weren't weren't able to kind of connect here with the first call, but I'm glad we're we're back in business. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no question about that. Now, I, we were just talking about the fact, and maybe might brighten your day a little bit. But I am eight years older than my wife, eight years older, and our little uh, right. almost three year old granddaughter. When I called uh, last night, she said, Nana, your dad's on the phone. <laughs> she thought, she thinks, and uh, apparently yeah. has always thought that I'm her grandmother's father. <laughs> it's like, okay, well. Uh, I, I, think, I think there's a song about that called I'm My Own Grandpa. But I, there yeah. is. <laughs> I've heard that song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There is. Yeah. Uh, what an amazing uh, man you are, Andy Parker. I'll tell you that. The book is called For Allison, The Murder of a Young Journalist and a Father's Fight for Gun Safety. A Father's kind of the story that captivated America. The murder of his daughter, reporter Allison Parker, on live television and his inspiring fight for common sense gun laws in the aftermath. Why can't we do anything in this country with common sense, Andy? What is the problem? Uh, well, unfortunately right now, well, first of all, we're getting there. I mean, and we will get there. Good. Um, but uh, you know, it is someone explained to me when I first started, uh, advocating, they said, well, just remember this is a marathon and not a sprint. And I went, you know, I I want to want this thing to be a sprint, but I, I think that we're, we are now running faster than we were. Um, and, you know, the, the reality is we're held hostage by, uh, let's face it, it's the, it's the NRA and their Republican minions. It shouldn't be a partisan issue, but it is. And so as long as Republicans are uh, in, the, in, the, in the majority of elected offices, uh, then we're going to run into a roadblock because they will not, other than eight representatives that voted for the universal background checks bill in the house of representatives uh, right. a few weeks ago um you know they're just they're just not gonna they're not gonna budge but but you know the reality is is that and where we are making progress you saw what happened in virginia in the 2017 statewide elections you right. saw what happened in the midterms uh, and the gun issue is you know either second or third depending on who's polling it it you know in in terms of uh, issues that resonate with the voters. So we are making a difference. It's just a matter of time before, as they say, if you can't change their mind, you change their seats. Yeah, I like that. Well, here's the deal. Uh, full disclosure, I'm a centrist. Uh, I like Democrats and I like mm-hmm. Republicans, but I do not like the far mm-hmm. left, nor do I like the far right. And I'm really sick of both of those uh little venues that they've set up, basically doing nothing but spending our money, suing each other and arguing on television, getting mm-hmm. nothing done. It's getting really, really old, yep. Mr. Parker. Uh, let me tell you another thing. This is a personal thing. I own six guns. I have permits to carry mm-hmm. in uh, in a couple of states, and I never carry a gun. Never. I mean, right. the only reason right. I have them in the first place is I'm a public figure, and people get to run their mouths once in a while and threaten and do things sure. like that. When they do that, then I do carry a gun. But I never, that and, never and, you know, anymore, and that's so. right. And it, and that's fine. And, and, you know, I've said, if I've said it once, I've said it 200 times, you know, what I advocate for, uh, the vast majority of gun owners believe in 97% of the American public wants some form of gun control, universal background checks, closing the, the, the gun show loophole, um, you can't get 97% of the American public to agree that Mother's Day is a good thing. So this is something <laughs> that's, that's true. Yeah, it is. Point. I mean, and, and, but yet they do on this. And, and so, um, you know, nobody's I, I have to con- constantly, you know, the other side has the dog whistle that if you do anything that's reasonable, that doesn't assault or infringe upon the Second Amendment, well, you're coming to take away our guns. And it's like, how many times do, you have to, do I have to say this? You know, I have a ton of friends that are gun owners, you know, and they get mm-hmm. it. 
but it's just a it's a fringe group. It is the NRA that's driven by you know the Kool Aid that the NRA is feeding them. And a lot of the politicians, I used to think that they were doing it to um, just for the money, but but they drink the Kool Aid too. They're true believers. And I mean, you look at Steve, Steve Scalise as an example. Here's a guy that gets right. shot. You know, playing baseball, you would think he would have some kind of come to Jesus and say, well, you know, maybe we should do something. Uh, maybe that guns everywhere isn't the answer, but that's his answer. It's like, you know, we need we need more guns uh, as if we don't we have enough. Guns? I mean, there's there's yeah. Well, yeah, there's a there's a gun for every man, woman and child. There are more guns for every you know, that than there are people in this country. So, Andy. Parker, what what is it you're asking them to do? Because it seems to me that if you are licensed to carry, you do a universal background check. What what is wrong with that? I don't I don't have any problem with you. You <laughs> want to give me a, a yeah. lethal weapon? Then you better check and see that I'm capable of handling that duty. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got to have a license to drive a car. You you yep. should have one to you know, and and even if you transfer. A, you know, a vehicle to your son or your daughter or, you know, or whoever you, you transfer, you, you, you have to make that part of the record. And it's, it, it, people just don't want to, you know, they just, the, the, the people that push back on this, they don't want anything like that. They don't, they, they feel like there should be no laws, nothing at, at all. And, you know, it's like, it's like seatbelts. You know, is is a seatbelt going to save your life if you get hit head on by a semi? Probably not, but mm-hmm. it is. It does save lives, and and background checks, and common sense gun legislation, and extreme risk protective orders, they're shown. They save lives, and that's that's really what it's all about. If I can save, or, you know, the people that are with me, if, if we can just save a life, isn't that enough? I mean, it's that's what it's all about. Do they understand the pain of having to go through what you've gone through? And, and the reason I'm asking this, Andy, and you don't, you don't have to talk about it all, or I'd love to talk to you about it. About a week and a half ago, one of my best friends in the world, I love the guy. I got a call from a mutual friend that said his 22-year-old daughter uh, had been, well, she died. Let's put it that way. And mm-hmm. I began, I, look, I'm a big, tough guy with six guns and all the rest of it and all, you know, this. I started crying when he told yeah. me that. It's not even my daughter. I, I knew, and her name, by the way, was Allison as well. Um, so when I mm-hmm. saw what was coming up in the show today, we just, uh, and by we, I mean the community has lost Allison. She was a wonderful kid, 22 years old. Please tell me you didn't see your daughter killed on television, did you? I did not, and I never will. Oh, good. And it, unfortunately, the video, the video is out there. Yeah. Um, but that video has been like a, a booby trap or, or a landmine out there that, that unfortunately, I've, I've come close to stumbling upon it. But uh, oh, yeah. uh, and that's a whole other issue that I that I take on that I discuss in my book. Uh, my Good. book is called For Alps and the And it's it's how trolls and Internet conspiracy conspiracy theorists have latched on to that video. And they've manipulated it to, you know, just just vile means. And and that's the the thing that the, the you know most people don't don't understand or don't they don't realize is that you lose your daughter in the most horrific way possible, and then on the back end, you, you have people that want to torment you and and yeah. say things and, and post things on your you know, that I I watched your daughter die and I really enjoyed it. I mean things oh, like that God. that are just vile. Yeah. And, and that's why, um, well, it's, you know, these people have been around, you know, forever, but what they now have is a social media platform, mm-hmm. um, yeah. out there to, to give them more of a voice. But, uh, my, my new news, I, I touched upon it in my book. Um, but it's sort oh. of, it's, it's coming along and I have, uh, I've engaged the Georgetown University Civil Rights Law Clinic. I mean, these guys are really terrific, and they are representing me in an action uh, against Google because Google is the enabler of all this stuff. You know, you can go after the trolls. You can go after the trolls, and it's like going after a -a whack-a-mole, but but ultimately Google is responsible, should be responsible, but they violate their own terms of service. Um, Right. 
they violate copyright. They don't care. I mean, the, these guys are like sociopaths. I mean, the, uh, you know, and, and here's what they do. They, they say, uh, you know, they, they put the onus on me and Lenny Posner and the Parkland kids. Right. They, they say, well, if you find any offensive video, you, you tell us, you know, you flag it for us. Well, I'm in a, you know, in a completely different circumstance than anybody else because, you know, you know, it was from the live. It was a video. She was killed on live television. It was out there forever. Mm-hmm. And, right. you know, so they're telling me, you know, what what company or human being would say, we want you to watch each video of your daughter's murder and tell us why we need to take this down. You know, the oh, only God. people, the person or organization, it's like ISIS. I mean, it, but Google's doing it, and they've created a dark web and hiding in plain sight. So we're going after them, and I think, uh, you know, it may be David versus Goliath, but, you know, you can't be a dummy and go to Georgetown. Um, they have some cachet, and, and I think that uh, it's we're going to get some traction there. I wrote a, an op-ed in the Washington Post last week uh, about this very thing. So we're, we're waiting to get their response. It is pretty. Did, did did you ever find out why this man opened fire on your daughter and her and her cameraman Adam Ward, or photojournalist? I guess they're called now. Uh, yeah, he. Yeah, he. Well, okay. Yeah, it, he. He was a disgruntled worker. He had, you know, he had mental oh, issues, yeah. and and yep. you know, and 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 had there been, you know, one of the things that that I've advocated for that we're starting to see come about or enacted in, in various states. It's it's slow but sure, but even in Florida with a Republican legislature, they passed an extreme risk or a red flag law. So that it, right. and what it does right. is that if you exhibit if you exhibit, you know, alarming behavior, which Allison Shooter clearly did, he was escorted out of two jobs by police, he should never mm-hmm. have been able to purchase a gun. And it no would have prohibited him prohibited him from from buying a gun uh, and had there been any other issue, had he had guns and he was, you know, making th- the same these kind of threats, uh, a judge would have been able would would have enabled law enforcement to go at least temporarily remove the guns until they decided if the guy was capable or not, um, or posed yeah. a, posed yeah. a threat. So, you know, and I I honestly think that had that law been in place four years ago here in Virginia, my daughter would still be doing the news and I wouldn't be talking to you. Well, you'd be talking to me, but about different things because we're tight. That's why. Yes. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very good. I hope. Um, I should, I should mention good. also, Andy, when I was 16 years old and I'm uh, quite a bit older than 16 years old now, but when I was 16 years old, you know, I grew up in, in the inner city and I was at a party and this quite drunk 17 year old kid walked up to me and he said, look at this. And he put a gun up to my head and pulled the trigger. And nothing happened. Oh, I said, what the hell are you doing? Right. He said, it's not loaded. I said, yeah, I'm going to count on a drunk guy to know if his handgun's loaded or not. Can you imagine that? Yeah. Why anyone would yeah. do something like that? I don't know. Well, it's yeah. Mr. Parker. It, but that, that kind of is, stuff goes on all the time. And, and unfortunately, you know, in a lot of instances, yeah, that gun is loaded and the guy didn't think it was. And that's. How we have 90, part of the reason we have 90 people a day dying by a gun. Yeah, that's exactly it. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I, common sense works for me. I don't care what it is, whether it's guns or what, common sense would be really, the return of common mm-hmm. sense to America would be such a gift, it would be great. But there's just too much money on yeah. both sides of the issue, and that's the whole, it's a money issue, there's no doubt about it. So, well, uh, all the best to you, sir. Well, it's also an education issue, yeah. Yeah, well, it is. No, you're right. It. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's our well, pleasure. Well, thanks Thank for you, having Andy me Parker. on. Absolutely. Come back Bye-bye. soon. I'd love to talk to you. Andy Parker. The book's called For Allison, the Murder of a Young Journalist and a Father's Fight for Gun Safety. We will be back. The family. 
a program that benefits the homeowner and not the realtor? Do you want a guaranteed offer on your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl, who has some exciting news to share. Hey, Tom, we are super excited to announce our guaranteed offer program. Here's how it works. If you qualify, we will guarantee you an offer on your house within 48 hours, which means you could be closing in three weeks. No staging, no cleaning, no decluttering, and of course, no open houses. This is your hassle-free way to sell your home. If you qualify for the program, you will get a competitive offer in 48 hours, period. Sounds like a stress-free way to sell your home. It is, Tom. Some homeowners want the convenience to be able to sell their home quickly without going through the stress of showings, open houses, and so many more headaches, especially if they found their dream home and need to sell fast. You do need to qualify for this program, but that's quick and convenient as well. To see if you qualify for the guaranteed offer program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate, go to chrislindahl.com right now or call 763-401-SOLD. Once again, that's chrislindahl.com, Chris with a K. If you're tired of feeling frustrated because your clothes don't fit like they used to, then Nutramost is for you. Thanks to the Sheehy brothers and staff at Nutramost in Plymouth, I am down 92.5 pounds. The Nutramost program is amazing. I lost over 40 pounds during each of my first two 40-day rounds. You can have great success just like me because Nutramost is customized for each individual person, and the staff at Nutramost will be there for you every step of the way. Start your weight loss journey today and let Nutramost help change your life. Give yourself this wonderful gift or give this program as a present. Nutramost guarantees that you lose 20 pounds or more. Nutramost helped me change my life and they can help you too. Call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. We're not going to come back with bumper music so we can... Right. Yeah. Right. You're absolutely... So we're going... We're doing 10 minutes here? Yep. About that. I like it. That works for me because I didn't want to cut him off. You know, the guy, people saying, I'm glad I saw your daughter shot to death. What is wrong with people? I don't know. People just want to, they think that they want to, they're going to make a mark on the world by doing stupid crap like that. I don't know. (laughs) So so this man lost his 24-year-old daughter and you're going to taunt him about losing his daughter? Jesus. You're right. So we have... People are destroyed over saying something in the in the in the, in the last hour. Uh, you know, someone criticized or says something that other people don't like, right. and they want to destroy their family. Right. Yet, That's correct. That story that he mentioned is still on Google. I did a little Google search. I, I was I was looking at uh, for uh, his his history and you know why he's doing this and how he's going about it. Yet that story I enjoyed watching your daughter die is still on Google. Mm-hmm. Oh God! Oh, why do they allow that? I just don't understand it. I, I, why, it's why does Google allow something like that? I just don't. Why would they want that on their garbage site? It's kind of it's one of those things, though, because we have freedom of speech. Oh, no, no, we don't have freedom yeah. of speech. Yeah, but we have freedom not, of not harmful. Of, of we have freedom of speech Expression. in Google. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying that's how everything's perceived is that, you know, I mean, when, yeah, you have a freedom of speech, but you also have a responsibility of what you say. And wait a second. So all this time I could have said you're a pain in the ass and I never did because I didn't (laughs) think I had freedom of speech. (laughs) We would destroy you. We would destroy you. (laughs) (laughs) There you have it. I cannot tell you how sad that makes me feel to talk to somebody like Andy Parker. The, The fact that this man had to had to hear that his daughter, 24 years old, was shot to death on live television, knowing that all the world's going to see it. I'm very happy for him, and I'm very proud of him that he's never seen it. I could never watch that. Oh, uh, I know. With my own family, there's no way I could watch that. I would be so enraged that I would just probably take everybody out. I don't know. It, it, I like his strength. I like the fact he's going after Google. He's got a hell of a fight uh, ahead of him, though, because. Um, they got a lot of money. Google's got a lot of dough. Oh, yeah. So I don't know. We, we'll see how it all works out. But I just, uh, it makes me so sad that things like that happen in this world. Disgruntled employee. So he's going to, I took from that that he, the guy must have worked at the TV station. Is that what they're yeah. talking about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a coworker, uh, I'm assuming she was an attractive young woman. And he, there was that little part of it, too, that, oh, she's pretty. She's mean to me because she's pretty. No, it's one of those deals. thought that all white people were out to get him, basically. Oh. Was he a person of color? He was. Yes. 
Was he, uh, as they say in the New York, was he brown or, or even black? Mm-hmm. God, these white people that just start shaking when they say brown and black. Would you calm down? They're human beings. Uh, he Relax. Sued, he sued several of his previous employers for racial discrimination and never oh, won. Oh, God. And he thought that she was sending him coded racist messages. Oh, coded, though. Yeah. Okay. And um, he's, apparently he was well-known in his community for throwing cat crap at people. <laughs> Oh, and on so the, nobody did anything about it. On the day of the shooting, he killed his cats out of rage. Just, well, yeah, this guy was a complete lunatic. But the problem is he did pass a background check because he was never... Um, arrested? He was never... Uh, I don't know if he was arrested, but I know never for prosecuted. sure he was never convicted of anything, even oh, though okay. arguably he uh, should have been. And that's, and that's you know... I would agree. It, you know, Andy Parker's, you know, drive to do this, I think, is a healthy thing. And I would agree that yep. I'm not going yep. to disagree with any of that background check stuff. The problem is, no. is that this doesn't show up on a background check. Yeah. Then what good is the background enough. check? You know, it's one thing if you've had a, a, a diagnosis of violence, a violent mental illness when you're 16 and then you, you, you mature and now you're 35 and you want to buy a handgun. Say, oh, I don't know. Maybe, you know, you still got this problem. You, know, yeah. you shouldn't have a handgun. It's different when someone who is just isn't really diagnosed or do, people don't realize how serious his issue is. And it doesn't show up until it's too late. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. yeah, he was know. never diagnosed with anything. He was never arrested for anything. There's nothing that would have shown up on a background check because no one ever did anything. Even though this guy's been, well, let's see, this happened in 2015, and the guy has been doing weird stuff since '99, 2000. But no one ever did anything about it. They were all just like, oh, well, this guy's crazy. Let's just get him out of here and, you know, never, never so, bother. Yeah. And then. It, it, so what, background what you, check wouldn't help there because right. no one ever put anything in his report card or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, you can, that, you can always buy illegal guns. I mean, they're and always going to be available. That's, and, you know, there's where, you know, we're not doing. In, in, how many of these deaths, these 90 deaths? per day are with legal guns. Well, most of them are suicides. Oh. Yeah, those are reported in gun death statistics. Oh, I didn't know most of them were suicide. I I assume Mm -hmm. some were, but I didn't know most of them would be. Yep. But I just, uh, here's what I don't understand about that that line of thinking. So you're a black man or a brown man, as they love to say now. It's a brown man or a black man. That's that's, Mm -hmm. that's the new cool thing to say on the far left. But, um... So you can just judge all white people based on what you've heard about white people. So in other words, what I should do, since Jack the Ripper was British, I should hate all British people because they're murderers. Yeah, no the same one, line of thinking? Whenever they talk about this case, they never bring up the fact that this guy was obviously racially radicalized. Even exactly. though that, that's p- the pure motivation for most of what he did weird or, you know. They don't want to talk about yeah, that, though. They, they don't, don't want to. Can we take each individual as an individual instead of lumping everybody in together by their skin color? Would that be okay? It didn't work in the past. Why do you think it's going to work now? And Martin Martin Luther King was critical of that. He was critical of that. Martin Luther King was a brilliant guy, and I still love the guy to this day. I admire the hell out of him. He was my hero when I was a teenager. For that very reason, he said, no, 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 this is not about the color of your skin. It's about the content of your character. I love that, and I still love it to this day. And it's just the whole thing is so disingenuous for a bunch of self-hating white people on TV to tell everybody out there in their audience how horrible white people are. Not all white people pollute. That's right. They all pollute, and then you breathe it in. Well, that study wasn't even about white people polluting. What it was was, let's say that I make, you know, chairs or something, and in doing so, I produce pollution. Uh, Mm -hmm. Any pollution that I produce would be the fault of the people who buy the chairs, because the study basically assumes that if they had not bought the chairs, the pollution would have never been produced, which is a stupid assumption. Well, no, because... If no one was buying chairs, then no one would be producing pollution to make chairs. But that's right. not a correct assumption. 
someone no, else. No, not a correct assumption. Yeah, there's always going to be people buying things, and there's always going to be people making them. How does that pollution get from China to here? Yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah. It's like if a white person buys something that was produced in China, the pollution that was produced in China is now the white person's fault for buying that item. <laughs> Just, it's unbelievable. It was, it's a really, really bad study. Oh, oh, so, so, so then it does, does, does make sense because everything that everything that's purchased from China is by white people in America or a goodly portion of it. So all the Chinese are bleeding that pollution there. And it's because of our responsibility, even though they still heat with coal and have uh, particular pollution. Right. Well, yeah, why aren't we blaming the people who are using outdated methods to produce things with tons of pollution rather than, you know, like it. it's not my fault that I need to eat food. Blame the person, the people who are right. making that food but producing a bunch of toxic waste in doing so, even though they're not supposed to. So did you read the whole article, Andy? Yeah, well... I mean, I read the article and much of the paper, yes. Yeah, because he basically, he does say that white people create most of the pollution. Yeah. He does say that in the article. Well, so it's because, yeah, to them, create, it's, it's, it's I don't even really understand how they got to that methodology unless they were setting out to prove that one thing and change the methodology until it, said what they wanted it to say, which I would Look, bet pretty much every penny I'm worth that that's what they did. And by the way, just because your white classmates at your school pulled, gave you a Snuggie every day, not all white people are bad. Snuggie. I just like to point that out to this white guy. And the professor's a white guy, by the way. This Jason Hill. He's a white guy. Hmm. So it's another self-hating white person. He was taught to hate himself at Harvard, apparently. So that's good for him. Oh, of course. We... Is our break here, Andy, or how much more time do we have? We are at 10 minutes right now. All right, we'll be back. The family. Tom Bernard here. Hey, let me ask you. Do you know me because you recognize my voice or my face? Good question, isn't it? Let me ask you another one. What do you think when I say priority courier experts? Do you know them because you recognize their trucks, or do you know them by their name? Well, let me tell you something you might not know about my friends at Priority. 485 local drivers, 85 office staff. 37 million deliveries since 1997, and an opportunity for you to join their company. Drivers, you can join the fleet in your own vehicle or lease to own one of theirs. Or you can join the office staff and earn the most respectable pay in the business with 15 days off in your first year. Medical, dental, matching 401k, and a genuine chance for advancement. Just ask Ryan, who started as a driver and is now dispatch manager. Over 5,000 Minnesota companies rely on priority because every time you call us, we deliver. Join the team. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. I can never talk over that very beginning guitar riff. It's just too good. I know. Once again, can you do any better? Written by Bob Dylan, performed by Jimi Hendrix. Can you beat that? No. God, what a great song. Rock gold, that's what that is. That's rock gold, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> yes, man. Uh, tell me when our when our guest is ready to go. Okie doke. It should be in the next minute or so, I would assume. In any case, um, yeah, it's uh, it, one of the reasons I love doing this show so much. I, I love doing the morning show, obviously, as well, but this one as well. I said as well twice in the same sentence. That's not good uh, diction. Mm. But anyway, um... Because uh, I never know who the guests are going to be. I don't look ahead and see who the guests are going to be. I just want to know, so I'll have a fresh take on it, just like the listener has a fresh take on it. Uh, I, I, I have loved the guests lately. It's been really, really damn good guests. Well, well not Kristen and Tim Lammers, but everybody else. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm talking about. But you learn so much that all, all Andy Parker is asking is for people to take a look at 
at just don't be giving a handgun to everyone. Do yeah. the best you can to make sure that guns stay out of the hands of crazy bastards, like this guy who shot his daughter, thought that she was sending him uh, cryptic messages, uh, what, through a, through his aluminum hat, or how did it get? Well, yeah, well, that's, 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 yeah, I mean, that's the uh, pejorative way to kind of look at it, but that's the reality. He was, he was, had concerns about his safety, and he was in, in his, his mental state just threw him off, and he mm-hmm. had these uh, paranoid kind of uh, attitudes, and that's what you see. They get this sort of, uh, what do you call, you know, it, these sort of, um, um, uh, so they see things or they interpret things in odd ways, and right, just, oh. But we don't have a test for psychotic behavior if the person being tested is good enough at lying. Yeah. Because if they know, like, they'll, you can actually, you can go online and get coached on how to pass tests like that by, like, you know, all right, we all know that, you know, this is actually happening, but you have to say it's not happening or else they'll, you know, take you away. So when you go in, you have to say a certain thing and it's... That's what they do. They know what to say to pass mm-hmm. psychological evaluations because it, 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 is, yeah. it relies on you telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And is it, true, is it true that if you're a sociopath, you're going to pass a lie detector test anyway because you actually believe your own BS? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. It's amazing. We have our guests. Absolutely amazing. Samuel Pollan. How are you doing, Samuel? I'm not too bad. How's it going? Everything is going well. I'd just like to point out that I pronounced your name Poland because there are two L's in it. Is that correct? <laughs> Poland, like like B Poland. So that's the God damn it, Samuel! I thought I had it nailed, but I did. So, <laughs> yeah, it was so very close. Very there. close. Samuel uh, Poland. Poland. Excuse me, it's Poland. Yes. Samuel Poland. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a new novel about a teen. The, uh, the year I didn't eat is the name of the book. The year I didn't eat. A new novel about a teen boy struggling with anorexia, based on the author's own experiences with the eating disorder. Do many people even know? I think a lot of people think that just young girls and women get anorexia, but that's not true at all, is it? Yeah, that's right. Um, about twenty-five percent. I mean, estimates vary, but something like that. About twenty-five percent of uh, eating disorder sufferers are men. And yeah, you're right. That's that story isn't told so much, and I think a lot of people are less on the lookout for it in in uh, men, and particularly in young boys. Yeah, yeah, I could see that to be true. Is, is there any understanding for you? How, how old are you now? I'm now thirty. So this is a long time to pass you... for me. I had an eating disorder when I was twelve to 14, something like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. And do you know what, why it came about? What, what happened to cause this in your life? Do you know? Well, I mean, it's, it's quite a complex thing, so I don't think I could point to one cause, but um, I was definitely, okay. Okay. I mean, it, I think it's, it's significant that it happened at the, at the age when I was kind of getting into high school, I was, I was entering puberty, I was kind of thinking about what right. people thought of me in a way that I hadn't before. Um, I was quite a driven sort of uh, kid. I was quite an anxious kid. I worried about kind of what people thought about me a lot. Um, and it and it's becomes a kind of control thing, right? So it was a way of asserting control um, on my life. It doesn't make any sense. I, I, I accept that. And, you know, that's kind of part of an eating disorder. But uh, yeah, it kind of mm-hmm. came out of that. Well, Samuel, I'll tell you what, just what you've done with this book, The Year I Didn't Eat, is going to help people a lot because I think a lot of people don't know that young boys have eating disorders unless, of course, it's eating too much and they get, they get overweight. But I don't think many people know that young boys, 12, 13, 14 years old, can be anorexic, can have uh, you know, issues with how they appear to people. Are they good enough for people? I mean, that whole situation. I think it's, you've done a great service for young, young men and boys out there, as a matter of fact. Well, I hope so. I hope people find it useful. I mean, that was definitely the motivation for me was when I was going through that, um, there wasn't, you know, those books, those kind of stories didn't really exist. And also those, the people around me, I think, would have got a lot of um, insight in what, into what I was going through and kind of a bit of understanding from, uh, from having a book like that. That's certainly what I hope. So at 14, Samuel, what happened that, that kind of turned things around for you? I'm assuming that happened at 14 because you talked about 12, 13, 14. Uh, did things start turning around when you were 14 or was it much later in life? 
Oh, no, I had, so I started having tr- treatment when I was 13, actually. So I was giving you the kind of rough... Okay. It, it okay. takes a while, sure. you know, the treatment. Right. Um, so, yeah, so the, the kind of... The, I mean, the, the incident that kind of st- got me into treatment was I got, I got the flu. Um, and I was, I was very weak at that point. I think my, my family, the people around me, kind of hadn't realized how bad things had got. Uh, so I got the flu, and um, I had a call-out doctor come and see me, and he, and, and he referred me for treatment. He you know, saw that I was um, very ill, and I, and I kind of went into treatment at that point. So the things, that, the things that helped were, firstly, medical treatment, right, which is obviously the most important part of dealing with an eating sure. disorder. Um, yep. And then also, I think what was, what was really helpful to me and what I kind of tried to bring out in, in this book is um, the people around me kind of, uh, it, supporting me, and, and I don't. By that, I don't mean kind of talking to me about you know uh, what, about the problem so much. I kind of, I kind of mean the opposite of that. So, you know, they, they, my, my friends and family stuck by me and, and still carried on inviting me. You know, my friends invited me to the cinema, and, and my family kind of still made me go and see my grandparents, and, and we went on, you know, played family board games and things like that. And, and those, mm-hmm. kind of stru- those kind of routines that weren't about food um, and having those connections to people around me that weren't about food um, were, was really important because so many of our social um, interactions, like, daily, on a daily basis are about food and revolve around food. Um, so kind of having that was really important. You know what's really interesting about that is you, you, you do see people, you know, anorexic people, but you also see people who just cannot stop eating, and it ends up killing them. What is it about food? I mean, the life itself, basically, sustenance. What is it about food that's, that, that, that you either push it away or you eat way too much? Is there a clear understanding of why that happens? Self-image, I'm sure, is a part of it, but for people who, who cannot stop eating, it can't be self-image because they get larger and larger. Uh, so what do you think it is? Well, I mean, it's, it's it's definitely a complex thing. I think we have, um, yeah. as, as you say, self-image is part of it. I think our, our kind of media diet, season, unfortunate word, excuse the pun, um, is part of it. Yes. And I think um, people's, um, people, you know, that that it's for me. It was a lot about that feeling of kind of not living up to people's expectations um, sure. around me. You know, you have have we have a society in both the US, I'm in the UK at the moment, but yeah, in both places, that's very much about um, people worrying about what the world thinks of them and trying to um, kind of find a way to to live up to that. And that leads to stress. And sometimes that stress goes in the direction of not eating. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it goes in the direction of overeating. Sometimes it goes into other things, you know, drugs and gambling and all sorts of things. But those kind of, all of those addictive behaviors, I think, have have some root in, in in that kind of dis- that that skewed relationship with the world around you, and that worrying of kind of what how you interact with people around you. Yeah, I can I can understand it. Well, you know, I should mention to you, by the way, Samuel, that I in the last year have lost ninety two pounds. I weighed three seventeen. Now I weigh about two twenty five, and I can tell you why that happened. Because when I was a kid, life be- you know grew up in a dangerous neighborhood, and my father was nuts and a bunch of other things. But I had it in my head by the time I was 10 years old, so about the same era you're talking, 10, 11, 12, uh, I got it in my head that I had to get much bigger than everybody else just so I'd be safe. That I Absolutely, that's why I, I began a life of eating too much. That makes sense, doesn't it? I think it does. I mean, I think everyone's, everyone's circumstances are different, but yeah, I can totally understand yeah, yeah. how that could happen. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's what it was, and it, and obviously I didn't will myself to be this way, but I am at least four to five inches taller than my four brothers. So I don't know if I ate my way, <laughs> my, my way to height or not, but it's true. <laughs> it, uh, but I remember I was talking to a psychologist about that, Renee, my friend, and he said, "Well, Tom, you know you didn't will yourself bigger." <laughs> I said, yeah, I do know that. <laughs> I do know that's true. But that whole, the way you present yourself, because you're the only one inside your head, and you can get very lonely in there. There's no doubt about that. So how you look on the outside is very important, whether you have to look long and lithe and in really great shape, or you have to be bigger than everybody else, or you have to be small or whatever. That, that whole thing is pretty amazing to me, that the, the perception of how you present yourself is the most important thing. Now, Samuel, the name of the book is The Year I Didn't Eat, and you... Is this a situation with anorexia when you eat and then is it always uh, expelling the food? Is that is that a big part of it? 
in anorexia? Uh, it's for some people it wasn't. Uh, yeah, it, it, it depends very much on your circumstances. So in my particular case, okay. it was more about uh, over-exercising and, and restricting what I was eating. But uh, lots of people have, it has different patterns depending on, on yeah. who you are and your circumstances, yeah. You know, yeah. you know, uh, Samuel Ralph Basham. I'm, I'm a physician, and the int- he said something very interesting that, uh, and it just sort of dawned on me that uh, in the media, people are slender, uh, people have a certain physique that uh, you know we are presented yep. with all the time, and I realized none of the royals are fat. <laughs> that's right. That's, yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm not, despite, despite being English, I'm afraid I'm, I'm not a big expert on the royal family, but I think that's true. And yeah, yeah, that's yet, yet you were, you know, that's, but that's, that, that is a part of, um, so, uh, you know, English tabloids and things like that, in that they're, I don't know, the last one was, uh, who was the last guy that was heavy? Um, Henry VIII. Henry VIII. He was, he was <laughs> the last. Yeah. Henry VIII was wild. Pretty, yeah. Famously. Well, but and if that you was, look at... As I understand it, I'm... Sorry. No, it's okay. I'm not, I'm not a history expert, but I understand that that was because he did a lot of sport earlier in his life and then, and then couldn't. So, you oh. know, he was eating his pheasant and put on a bit of weight at that point. But, mm. you know, pe- people's... Yeah, I think... The, the royal family's uh, experience probably isn't representative of a lot of people's, but we definitely have a no, very strange relationship with food here, and I think in the U.S. as well, um, that that kind of leads to all sorts of uh, unha- unhappiness, whether that's you know eating disorders or whether that's people not being happy with their weight at the other end. Right. But you know, that's it's a complex picture. Samuel, I have to tell you that that being on the show and what you just said is is so terrific because you're you're such a nice man. Uh, you used the British courtesy when you said, yes, and then Henry VIII put on a little weight. <laughs> that was very, that was very we like courteous. Be, <laughs> we like to be understated in this country. Yeah, yes. Samuel oh, Apollon, ladies and gentlemen. The, the Year I Didn't Eat, a new novel about a teen boy struggling with anorexia based on the author's own experiences with the eating disorder. Good luck w- with everything, Samuel. It's very, I love the fact you're coming forward because I think 99% of people don't even know that, that boys and men can be anorexic. Maybe they do, but I doubt it. Well, I hope, so, yeah, I don't think they do. I hope I do a little bit to help with that. And thanks very much for having me on today. It, it's our great pleasure, Samuel. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. Take care. What a nice man. Thanks. You too. Very Bye. nice man. Thanks. Oh, he heard me say, he heard me call him a nice man. Uh-oh. That's good. I'm glad I didn't go, what a prick. <laughs> that, would <not laughs> that would not have been good. No, I, I think it's great. But I, I do love the Brits for their courtesy. He put on a bit of weight. Yeah, like a hundred pounds. <laughs> or more. I mean, he was, he was a more. giant guy when he passed. Yeah, he was a big fella. He was a very big fella. You're absolutely right about that. But great guest today, uh, Andy Parker, unfortunately lost his wonderful daughter, 24-year-old Allison. All he wants is some common sense. That's all he's asking for. Samuel Pollan uh, wants to tell other young boys and young men, hey, uh, you can get an eating disorder, so don't kid yourself. I love it. Uh, people stepping up. And it all, as always, Kristen Burt just brightens your day with that sparkling personality. Just another member of the family. The family. And we'll talk to you tomorrow.